Hi, and welcome to Procedure Ready OBGYN, a podcast aimed at helping you excel during your clinical clerkship in OBGYN. My name is Dr. Jennifer Dory. I'm an assistant professor of obstetrics and gynecology at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine and former resident at Thomas Jefferson University Hospital. I'm the founder of Procedure Ready, a collection of resources aimed to advance your clinical medical education. Let's get started. Today, we're going to be talking about healthcare maintenance, so routine stuff we do in the office to help people stay well. For OBGYNs, this tends to fall into two main groups, cancer screenings and vaccinations. So let's go through cancer screening first. Obviously, the first one you guys are probably going to think of when you're thinking about OBGYN is going to be cervical cancer screening. So the data I'm going to be presenting in the recommendations are going to be the ones that are active in 2017, 2018. These um, for cervical cancer are the ASCCP guidelines from 2013. Um which go through the screening algorithms that have been put forth by our governing body um, for cervical cancer screening. So what we do is for all women age 21 to 65, they get some variety of cytology screening at different age intervals. Now, the important thing to note is if you have older resources or you're going and you're using older flashcards, anything like that, the age used to be 18 or sexual debut. That rule is gone. So if you see that referenced anywhere, just know that that's outdated. The age is 21 to 65. So what we do um, when you're less than 30 years old is you get every three years a cytology screening. That means the swab of the cervix, we're brushing off cervical cells, we're putting them into a liquid medium typically, and then they're getting sent to the lab for a cytologist to look under the microscope and determine if they look like normal squamous epithelium um, or if they have any abnormality. As long as the cells are normal, they get to stay with every three years screening. If the cells are abnormal, they get reflexed um, and they add on an HPV screen. This HPV screen is going to look for the high-risk strains of HPV that are known to cause uh, cervical cancer and predispose women to dysplasia. Based on that result, it'll determine if they need additional screening like colposcopy where we look at their cervix with a microscope or more frequent cytologic screening. If they make it to, well, once they make it to age 30, if they've had normal pap smears, um, they get to move to every five years. At this point, instead of having a reflex to HPV, everybody gets HPV. So you'll get do what we call a co-test. And so every five years, you'll get the cells looked at and to check for the HPV virus. This is, again, assuming things are normal. These intervals are going to decrease. They'll become more frequent if, they, if you are at high risk for any type of dysplasia or cancer. So if you have high-risk HPV, if you have an abnormal cytology, those abnormal cytologies are things like LCIL, ASCIS, ASCH, or HCIL. These are things we'll talk more about in the colposcopy um, podcast. So if you want to know more about abnormal pap smears and whatnot, check out the colposcopy um, screening or the colposcopy procedure podcast, and uh, we'll go through a little bit more of that in detail. Or just Google ASCCP guidelines. Um, There's an app and there's also a PDF you can download to your phone, which so you'll always have the algorithms with you. Um, So when you're looking at patients in clinic ahead of time, you quick flip through the algorithm and you'll know ahead of time exactly what you need to do in case you get asked. 
All right. So that's the main gist of cervical cancer screening. So th- the other thing is at age 65, you can stop as long as you've had three prior normals um, or 10 years of normal. So 10 years of normal cytology and screening means that you can stop at age 65. If you've had abnormals, you can extend that screening beyond 65 as well. All right. So let's move on to the other thing you probably think of when you're thinking about GYN and cancer screening, which is breast cancer. So for breast cancer screening, it's a little bit of a controversial topic in terms of when do you start, when do you end, and how often do you do it? There are a lot of different groups out there um, with different recommendations. So ACOG, which is obviously the OBGYN's governing body, recommends beginning at age 40 and going until age 75 with an annual mammogram and an annual breast exam. Um, There are other governing bodies, including the USPSTF um, and the American Cancer Society, which have different recommendations. So you'll see everything from starting from at age 40 to age 50, um, doing it every year to every two years. Most of them agree on stopping around age 75. But in terms of your testing and probably majority of your rotation, um, when you're in the OBGYN world, stick with 40 to 75 annual mammograms as your answer. Um, starting early only if they're at high risk in terms of family history uh, or known BRCA carrier status. Um, on other rotations like internal medicine and things, you'll have a little bit harder time figuring out exactly which guidelines they want you to follow. All right, so those are our two main ones that the OBGYNs we, that we really feel like we're in charge of. I always still check on other cancer screening status when I see patients in the office. So I always ask them about their colon cancer screening status. A lot of women te- treat their OBGYNs like their primary doctor, their internal medicine doctor. So I find out if they, one, have a primary care doctor, um, and if so, if they've been getting screened for these things. Um, so for a For colon cancer screening, you can either do a colonoscopy, an FOBT, the fecal occult blood test, or a FIT test. These typically begin at age 50, or if they have a first-degree relative with colon cancer, they begin screening at age 40 or 10 years prior to the youngest known diagnosis in the family, whichever one is younger. Um, Oftentimes, this is not something I personally order, but I try to get them hooked up with the right people to get this ordered and get this done. And I just encourage them um, to actually go through with it and get this screening done. It is by no means fun, but neither is colon cancer. So we can catch it early, we can treat it, and they can have a much better prognosis, especially if they're at a high-risk group. I also screen them for a family history to know if we need to start earlier. So all things that if you guys are taking histories for us and things, great for you to know ahead of time for us at like annual exams and things. All right, the last one I usually ask about is lung cancer screening. And this we only do in a very select group of patients. So age 55 to 80, if they have a 30-pack year history, they should be getting an annual low-dose CT scan. Again, not something I typically order as an OBGYN, but something that I would certainly encourage a patient to go see a PCP, discuss, and hopefully get ordered for them um, if they do meet that criteria. All right, so those are our cancer screenings for our patients. Um, we start in OBGYN, we start screening for cancer the earliest, probably at age 21 with our um, pap smears and everything else happens a little bit um, later on in life, age 40 plus. All right. So let's move on and talk about some vaccinations. Again, not something that the H, that the OBGYN often um, takes the lead on, but there are a few that we're pretty serious about getting people vaccinated for. So number one for us is really HPV. So we want to make sure all women before the age 26 get vaccinated for the HPV. Um, HPV, we know, is the only way, the HPV vaccine is the only way to prevent cervical cancer, to truly prevent it. We can 
catch dysplasia early otherwise with our screening. Um, but this, the vaccine can truly prevent dysplasia and cancer. Um, so it's a three dose series. They are currently ongoing studies to look at how early we should give it. Um, the typical recommendation now is 12 to 26, three doses, um, at the initial dose, two months and six months, and then you're done. You're good for life. It started with just um, a two, like just preventing 16 and 18. Now we prevent genital warts with six and 11, and we've added a couple more high-risk cervical cancer um, screening um, s- series as well. Uh, so more and more cervical cancer getting prevented with the HPV series. So if somebody's under 26, always ask them if they got it. The next one is influenza. We will do this annually, particularly for our pregnant patients. Um, but often we'll, we can offer it to our annual patients and things as well in the office. Uh, we recommend it annually. And then anytime there's uh, an outbreak of anything special, a couple years ago, the H1N1 and things like that, there were additional vaccinations that we got to offer. Um, but that's just a routine. You'll probably do that in any office you're in is offer the, yeah, the uh, flu vaccine. Um, next is Pneumovax. This is one dose and one booster for any age if they have a risk factor. Um, and this is going to be almost everybody has a risk factor. Um, if it's, it's after age 65, if they have no risk factors, but even things like childhood asthma count as a risk factor. So almost everybody's going to have a risk factor um, for pneumonia. So most of the time, these are things you're going to be able to offer um, fairly early on in terms of when people are hitting 50, 60. So think about it and anybody who's coming in for an annual around that time. And if they find out if they were able, if they already got their pneumovax, then make sure to find out if they have any risk factors, especially if they're after 65, they should, everyone should be getting it. Um, Shingles is now becoming more and more uh, common in terms of its availability. So we're able to give two doses to anybody 50 years or older should get the shingles vaccine. Um, Hepatitis B, an initial vaccination in youth. And then um, for anybody later on in life who is not immune. So we do serum screening in in all of our pregnant women. And we're able to tell those who are not immune to um, hepatitis B. So it's nice they can get vaccinated after after they deliver or even intra, um, even during their antenatal course if they are high risk. The MMR, measles, mumps, rubella, again, something we screen for in all of our pregnant ladies if they are not immune. Not something you can give during pregnancy, but something we give immediately, um, fairly soon postpartum, and get them vaccinated. Varicella, another thing we screen for during pregnancy, so we know if they're immune or not. And if they're not, we offer them that vaccination immediately postpartum as well. All right, so that is sort of the routine healthcare maintenance stuff that we do in the office. Um, Cancer screening, cervical, age 21 to 65, every three years until 30, and then every five years with a co-test after 30 until 65. Breast cancer, per ACOG, we're going to do 40 to 75 every year with a mammogram. Colon cancer, if no family history, you're beginning at age 50, and then every five to 10 years, depending on the result, if you're doing colonoscopy, if they do FOBT or the FIT test, the programs are a little, or the regimens are a little bit different. And then lung cancer, screen everybody who's 55 to 80 with a 30 or more pack year history with an annual low-dose CT. Um, vaccines, make sure in the OBGYN office you're asking about HPV if they're under 26, offering people the annual influenza vaccine if you have it stocked and checking to see if people should be getting the Pneumovax, Shingles, Hep B, MMR, or Varicella vaccines. All right, hopefully that was helpful for your routine annual exam stuff. Thanks for listening to Procedure Ready OBGYN. Hope you found today's podcast helpful. Don't forget to subscribe below, rate the podcast, and leave me a review. Your reviews seriously make my day every time. Have you done your pediatrics rotation yet? We just launched a new Clerkship Ready pediatrics podcast to help. 
We're always looking for new collaborators. If you know a phenomenal medical educator who should make a procedure-ready or clerkship-ready podcast for their specialty, pass along their information and we'll see if they want to collaborate. Finally, check us out at ProcedureReady.com for more helpful resources like our flashcard deck and our YouTube playlist.